This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the one year Bible reading for December 8th, and we are finishing the book of Hosea this morning for our Old Testament reading. How prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. But the more wealth the people got, the more they poured it out on the altars of their foreign gods. The richer the harvest they brought in, the more beautiful the statues and idols they built. The hearts of the people are fickle. They are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their foreign altars and smash their many idols. Then they will say, we have no king because we didn't fear the Lord. But what's the difference? What could a king do for us anyway? They spout empty words and make promises they don't intend to keep. So perverted justice springs up among them like poisonous weeds in a farmer's field. The people of Samaria tremble for their calf idol at beth The people mourn over it, and the priests wail for it, because its glory will be stripped away. This idol they love so much will be carted away with them when they go as captives to Assyria, a gift to the great king there. Israel will be laughed at and shamed because its people have trusted in this idol. Samaria will be cut off, and its king will disappear like a chip of wood on an ocean wave. And the pagan shrines of Avon, the place of Israel's sin, will crumble. Thorns and thistles will grow up around them. They will beg the mountains to bury them and the hills to fall on them. The Lord says, O Israel, ever since that awful night in Gibeah, there has been only sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. Was it not right that the wicked men of Gibeah were attacked? Now I will attack you too for your rebellion and disobedience. I will call out the armies of the nations to punish you for your multiplied sins. Israel is like a trained heifer, accustomed to treading out the grain, an easy job that she loves. Now I will put a heavy yoke on her neck. I will drive her in front of the plow. Israel and Judah must now break up the hard ground. Their days of ease are gone. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of my love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. But you have cultivated wickedness and raised a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation safe. Now the terrors of war will rise among your people. All your fortifications will fall, just as they did when Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel. Even mothers and children were dashed to death there. You will share that faith, fate, Bethel, because of your great wickedness. When the day of judgment dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. When Israel was a child, I loved him as a son, and I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the more he rebelled, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. It was I who taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. 
I lifted the yoke from his neck and I myself stooped to feed him. But since my people refuse to return to me, they will go back to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates and destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. Oh, how can I give up, give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma and Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not punish you as much as my burning anger tells me to. I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy. I will not come to destroy. For someday the people will follow the Lord. I will roar like a lion, and my people will return trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt. Flying like doves, they will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. Israel surrounds me with lies and deceit, but Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. The people of Israel feed on the wind. They chase after the east wind all day long. They multiply lies and violence. They make alliances with Assyria and cut deals with the Egyptians. Now the Lord is bringing a lawsuit against Judah. He is about to punish Jacob for all of his deceitful ways. Before Jacob was born, he struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and won. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. There at Bethel, he met God face to face, and God spoke to him. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. So now come back to your God. Act on the principles of love and justice and always live in quiet dependence on your God. But no, the people are like crafty merchants selling from dishonest scales. They love to cheat. Israel boasts, I am rich and I've gotten it all by myself. No one can say I got it by cheating. My record is spotless. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from your slavery in Egypt, and I will make you live in tents again, as you do each year when you celebrate the festival of shelters. I sent my prophets to warn you with many visions and parables. But Gilead is filled with sinners who worship idols. And in Gilgal, too, they sacrifice bulls. Their altars are lined up like the heaps of stone along the edges of a plowed field. Jacob fled to the land of Aram and earned a wife by tending sheep. Then the Lord led Jacob's descendants, the Israelites, out of Egypt by a prophet who guided and protected them. But the people of Israel have bitterly provoked the Lord, so their Lord will now sentence them to death in payment for their sins. In the past, when the tribe of Ephraim spoke, the people shook with fear because the other Israelite tribes looked up to them. But the people of Ephraim sinned by worshiping Baal and thus sealed their destruction. Now they keep on sinning by making silver idols to worship, images shaped skillfully with human hands. Sacrifice to these, they cry, and kiss the calf idols. Therefore, they will disappear like the morning mist, like dew in the morning sun, like chaff blown away by the wind, like smoke from a chimney. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from your slavery in Egypt. You have no God but me, for there is no other Savior. 
I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, then you became proud and forgot me. So now I will attack you like a lion or like a leopard that lurks along the road. I will rip you to pieces like a bear whose cubs have been taken away. I will tear you apart and devour you like a hungry lion. You are about to be destroyed, O Israel, though I am your helper. Where now is your king? Why don't you call on him for help? Where are all the leaders of the land? You asked for them, now let them save you. In my anger, I gave you the kings, and in my fury, I took them away. The sins of Ephraim have been collected and stored away for punishment. The people have been offered new birth, but they are like a child who resists being born. How stubborn they are, how foolish. Should I ransom them from the grave? Should I redeem them from death? O death, where are your terrors? O grave, where is your destruction? For I have, I will have no compassion. Ephraim was the most fruitful of all his brothers, but the east wind, a blast from the Lord, will arise in the desert. It will blow hard against the people of Ephraim, drying up their land. All their flowing springs and wells will disappear. Every precious thing they have will be plundered and carried away. The people of Samaria must bear the consequences of their guilt because they rebelled against their God. They will be killed by an invading army. Their little ones dashed to death against the ground, their pregnant women ripped open by swords. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your petitions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all of our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you the sacrifice of praise. Assyria cannot save us, nor can our strength in battle. Never again will we call the idols we have made our gods. No, in you alone do the orphans find mercy. The Lord says, then I will heal you of your idolatry and faithlessness, and my love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. It will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars in Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like those of beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedar forests of Lebanon. My people re will return again to the safety of their land. They will flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. They will be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. O oh, Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who looks after you and cares for you. I am like a tree that is always green, giving my fruit to you all through the year. Let those who are wise understand these things. Let those who are discerning listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right, and righteous people live by walking in them. But sinners stumble and fall along the way. We're turning to Jude today, and I wanted to give you a background to Jude. Jude's letter focuses on apostasy, when people turn away from God's truth and embrace false teachings. Jude, brother of James and half-brother of Jesus, reminded his readers of God's judgment on those who had left the faith in the past. This warning this letter is a warning against false teachers, in this case, probably Gnostic teachers. Gnostics oppose two of the basic tenets of Christianity, the incarnation of Christ and the call to Christian ethics. Jude wrote to combat these false teachings and to encourage true doctrine and right conduct.
This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who are called to live in the love of God the Father and the care of Jesus Christ. May you receive more and more of God's mercy, peace, and love. Dear, dearly loved friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find I must write about something else, urging you to defend the truth of the good news. God gave this unchanging truth once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some godless people have wormed their way in among you, saying that God's forgiveness allows us to live immoral lives. The fate of such people was determined long ago, for they have turned against our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. I must remind you, and you know it well, that even though the Lord rescued the whole nation of Israel from Egypt, he later destroyed every one of those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of the authority God gave them, but left the place where they belong. God has kept them chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the day of judgment. And don't forget the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with sexual immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and are a warning of the eternal fire that will punish all who are evil. Yet these false teachers who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at the power of the glorious ones. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare to accuse Satan of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with Satan about Moses's body. This is the only part in scripture where we hear that account. But these people mock and curse the things they do not understand. Like animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, and they bring about their own destruction. How terrible it will be for them, for they follow the evil example of Cain who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they will do anything for money. And like Korah, they will perish because of their rebellion. When these people join you in fellowship meals celebrating the love of the Lord, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are shameless in the way they care only about themselves. They are like clouds blowing over dry land without giving rain, promising much but producing nothing. They are like trees without fruit at harvest time. They are not only dead but doubly dead, for they have been pulled out by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the dirty foam of their shameful deeds. They are wandering stars heading for everlasting gloom and darkness. Now Enoch, who lived seven generations after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, look, the Lord is coming with thousands of his holy ones. He will bring the people of the world to judgment. He will convict the ungodly of all the evil things they have done in rebellion and of all the insults that godless sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, doing whatever evil they feel like. They are loud-mouthed braggarts, and they flatter others to get favors in return. But you, my dear friends, must, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ told you, that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to enjoy themselves in every evil way imaginable. Now they are here, and they are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They live by natural instinct because they do not have God's spirit living in them. 
But you, dear friends, must continue to build your lives on the foundation of your holy faith and continue to pray as you are directed by the Holy Spirit. Live in such a way that God's love can bless you as you wait for the eternal life that our Lord Jesus Christ in his mercy is going to give you. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. There are still others to whom you need to show mercy, but be careful that you aren't contaminated by their sins. And now all glory to God who is able to keep you from stumbling and who will bring you into his glorious presence, innocent of sin and with great joy. All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our, our Lord. Yes, glory, majesty, power, and authority belong to him in the beginning, now, and forevermore. Amen. Psalm 127, a psalm of ascent. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is useless. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. Anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like sharp arrows in a warrior's hands. How happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Proverbs 29, 15 through 17. To discipline and reprimand a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. When the wicked are in authority, sin increases, but the godly will live to see the tyrant's downfall. Discipline your children and they will give you happiness and peace of mind. And to end today, I have a very short uh, Christmas story to share with you from Doris Hayes called The Light of Bethlehem's Star. It was Sunday before Christmas and I arrived early to church. From a front pew, I had a good view of the life-size nativity scene. As I focused on the kneeling shepherds, I was struck by the awe and reverence carved into the faces of these wooden statues. Suddenly, I seemed to be with the real shepherds, spun back 2,000 years in an instant as though time had never been. How had I missed it before? For weeks, I had been looking at the same scene from the back of the church while my mind thought of gift buying, planning a party, sending cards. The eyes of my spirit had been blinded. But now, for one intense moment, I saw what the shepherds saw, the Christ. As I knelt there, I began to see a little, perhaps, of what God sees. The essence of things so often missed or taken for granted. The true beauty of relationships with friends and family the blessing of good health, the joy of being alive. And suddenly, for me, it was Christmas. Perhaps if we would take a closer look at each day, allow the light of Bethlehem's star to illuminate every moment, we would be able to enjoy the true beauty of the world around us on Christmas and every day.